0: and welcome to episode seven of the Habibi Collective podcast, an educational and insider guide to the film industry. We are 100% independent and volunteer-led, so if you enjoy listening to our free podcast series, please consider donating at patreon.com forward slash Collective or on our website, habibicollective.com. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce Pam Nasser. Uh, Born and raised in Dubai, Pam moved to Beirut after graduating from London College of Fashion with a degree in fashion styling and photography. She later moved to New York and pursued an MA in film, and in 2018 made her debut film Clams Casino, uh, which I've had the pleasure of screening on a few occasions. Uh, Her visual practice deeply entwines fashion and film. Um, where she can be found both behind and in front of the camera. She recently worked on Versace Jeans Couture's 2020 holiday campaign, which she directed remotely from New York. Thank you, Pam, for joining me, and hopefully I got all of those (laughs) facts correct. Um, So I'd just like to start from the basics and ask how, in your own words, uh, you got to where you are now in your career. Um, Thanks for having me. I got to
1: where I I mean, my entire career um, is a reflection of, I think, my personal life and um, my openness to uh, really experiment uh, what feels most true to me um, throughout throughout my life as I've been growing. Um, It's been a long journey looking back at it. I, I still remember the day I I, I asked my dad if I could go abroad uh, for university. And I was like one of the first um, from my family to want to do that. And it scared him because I'm, I'm the eldest. I still remember that day very, very well. Um, but I've, I've always known that I wanted to be in fashion. At first, um, at first I wanted to be a fashion designer. And um, once I got to London and I realized that styling was a thing um i also remember having a conversation with my dad about it and feeling a little bit stuck because i was like i moved here i did a foundation in fashion i want to go into you know a, a design program and uh and now there's this thing called styling and i think i'm really good at it and i don't know what to do and i was outside of the classroom filling in like the little sheets um that we had to fill in on the spot. And I felt so unprepared and I had to make a decision on the spot. And, you know, dad was like, Pam, you know, now that you're bringing this up, you know, you're a very social person and you work very well in teams. And, you know, you love being a part of a team. Whereas as a designer, you would have to be sitting on a desk, you know, in the the
0: dark, (laughs)
1: <laughs> under like a, a little lamp sketching away and like most of the work that you're going to be doing is alone and I don't know if that's very you know your personality it was so cute it was that was the conversation that kind of I think started everything for me um and it's also very symbolic to how I move in life I, I've made all of my decisions purely based on um uh, instincts and um, and conversations with with my family because I trust them so much and they know me best. So that's kind of how I got started. Um, and I did fashion for a couple of years and I loved it so much. But um, when I moved back to Lebanon in 2015, um, I lived there for the first time and it was uh, I. Was reintroducing myself to my country on a on a not on a holiday basis, but more more as a more of like a permanent basis, right? Like I'm here. I'm going to find a way to live here, um, and I needed to navigate myself around the country. and And through my time there, I uh, I slowly started building this urge to uh, want to tell stories differently not just in, in, in the way that I've learned to do them through fashion and, and, you know, beautiful imagery, but, um, you know, the people in the country were such characters that I felt, uh, resonated with me so deeply. I saw myself in all of them and I just felt the need to tell stories in a different way. And that's when I started thinking about filmmaking. Um, and I was living with my mom at the time and she was someone that told me since I was in fashion, that she saw me as a filmmaker. She saw me as a film director. And at the time I was too young to understand. And um, I would get really angry at her because I thought that she didn't take my fashion work seriously. But then that moment was like a full circle moment for me. And, uh, and I was like, you know, mom, you're right. And I think this is what, I think this is my calling. Um, and it took me many years to to get to that point of realizing that and um I've just been on that same note ever since that was a long answer but <laughs>
0: oh no, it was that's yeah. there's so many digressions and so many diversions and and it's interesting how your yeah how your family have informed so much of that um because yeah I find especially I feel well speaking just from my own family that there's always this focus towards like medicine or, you know, kind of engineering or that, but the fact that your family have supported you creatively and with fashion and styling, like a profession they might not be familiar with. Like that's really amazing. And uh, yeah, super lucky. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you did end up making a, a you did end up going into film and, uh, and making a, a short and you briefly mentioned storytelling um, and narrative. I mean, it's a narrative short um so I guess how how would you say narrative work maybe compares to more commercial work um and do you think because you went to film school do you think that film school adequately prepared you to to make a film yeah it was a very
1: short course at SVA and I have to shout out my department because they are truly one of the most wonderful group of people that I've had the pleasure of being taught by um, and mentored by and I'm still very much in touch with them today and um, I feel very lucky that I was part of this program it was an intensive one-year master's program which was technically eight months which means that you know on your second month in they asked you what your thesis film was about and I was like I'm still learning what directing means like I don't know what it was very quick Um, but it was super fruitful, super intensive. And um, it, you know, you had to be so sharp and you had to be so zoned in all the time. And um, yeah, it it was the best. I mean, um, I felt like it definitely gave me all the right tools, um, at least like the basic tools of like how to create a narrative film and what are the things that are important when thinking of making a film. And then, you know, I introduced my understanding of filmmaking in there as I was going and um, made sure to stay true to um, my background, my background in fashion, which is really who I am. It's not necessarily like my background in fashion that I wanted to purposefully, you know, intertwine into my film work. It just came very naturally. So, um, and I remember, you know, during the course, I was one of the only um, students that I felt like I was very much um, trying to consider art direction and fashion and, you know, having like a stylized picture in this way. And, um, you know, it wasn't a course, it wasn't an elective. Um, And so I felt like I needed to um, stay true to that as much as possible, and and go all the way into what I know best, um, you know, with the cards that I'm being dealt through school.
0: Um, and your so your styling and your art direction and your commercial work it's it's very brand focused, obviously, and and with particular attention to luxury uh, fashion. So, I guess you've obviously done a lot more. Um, Fashion commercials and fashion directing, art direction since making comes casinos. So, what is it like? I mean, how? I guess, um, what is it like directing a fashion commercial um, from, say, a narrative short film um, in terms of budget, production, time on set, um, post? Um, are they that different, or are there, are there more similarities between them? I felt like there are way more
1: similarities than differences, um, especially with my latest film for Versace Jeans, uh, You know, which is a commercial project, but the way I um, dealt with it or the way I approached it was very similar to the way that I, I approached Clams Casino. You know, I, I wanted to make a narrative uh, commercial film, uh because of the nature of the project it was a project um about the holidays um and you know the holidays around december for me means christmas and usually christmas is i'm visiting my family in lebanon and this year it was out of the question for so many reasons you know uh the economic collapse the beirut blast um and the pandemic of course so it was um, hard for me to think of um, creating a fashion film a commercial fashion film with a luxury brand that talks about the holidays without number one um, talking about what the holiday is for me personally and this is something that is very um, consistent in all of my work and it it's very personal regardless of like how fantastical it may be and how fashionable it may come off, it still comes from a very honest place. And um, and so I felt like um, writing a narrative script for that project was uh, the way that I could represent, you know, what was handed to me best. Um, and so the process was very much like Clamps Casino, um, except I wrote the script for the Versace film. Um, But in terms of like getting the, you know, the crew uh, all together and having to communicate with them, you know, seven hour time difference overseas, directing from, you know, the seat that I'm sitting in right now, um, that was a little different, but it's crazy to think that three years ago, my master's program really, really um, gave me all the necessary tools to to be able to do this quite um quite like fluidly and comfortably it was it was wonderful
0: i guess a natural follow-up question to that would be especially drawing on on the crossovers you mentioned is that i mean fashion commercial was kind of more tied up in advertising but now it's predominantly filmmakers who are being commissioned by brands um the fashion and film industries to me at least seem closer than ever and i think a large part of this um, is the emergent of emergence of content creation. Um, so do you think that the industry around fashion commercial is shifting um, or different from when you initially started? And yeah, I guess if you were to enter the industry now in, in 2021, um, how would you do it? Absolutely, I think it has definitely
1: shifted. Um, definitely, definitely. I remember when I first started fashion school, Uh, we were just starting to look at fashion films and they were all like really surreal abstract films that uh, usually um, focused on like movement and, and, you know, location and music and lighting. And it was very, it was very beautiful, but I remember, I remember feeling such emptiness when watching these films, and uh, it was super disconnected from reality. And you know, in my personal taste, anyway, I I, am not attracted to, uh, uh, you know, narrative films that are so disconnected from reality, such as sci-fi. I mean, I, um, I just, it's it's not my um my preference. So when watching these fashion films I remember feeling super disconnected and uh super out of touch and and today um it has definitely shifted I mean um you know I I don't know if I'll be able to give you uh, so many examples but um the way I think of fashion films today is to make it to kind of remove the element that Fashion exists, and, and let it exist inevitably, and really focus on the message that you're trying to put out. Um, you know, depending on the project that you're working on, it's it's very much uh, dependent on um, you know what is what is it that the client wants, and then you know so for example, the Versace project, it was a holiday campaign, so that's what the client wanted. They wanted to make sure it was holiday, and then the way I approached it was very individualistic and very personal. And uh, um, yeah, I'm not sure I answered your question, but it, it, I, I definitely feel like the industry today is way more open for, for, um, for filmmakers to approach projects in a very personal way. I think that's been very, very beautiful. And I think that's been um, you know, a, a result of social media. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that completely makes sense. And it's interesting that you bring that up how your work is more narrative driven, because I mean, even before we started talking, I, I was kind of thinking, what makes Palms films distinct for me and and it is this fact that they could so especially given the focus on fashion and the well the clear visual kind of aesthetic or identity of the films it could so easily slide into moving image or it so it could so easily become abstracted but there's a really strong narrative um and that's what i find really really special about about your films and about um clams casino um so thank you yeah, yeah i guess uh, what um, what kind of visual, do you have any visual sources or frequent reference points or resources in terms of visual identity? Uh, you're smiling, is that like a, is that? Or <laughs> um, are, there, are there any like filmmakers that inform your style or how do you use images to make a narrative?
1: <laughs> you know, I've always been really, really, really bad at naming like, artists and directors and films and references that have really like shaped my work and my point of view. Um, I'm just, yeah. And it's something that I'm smiling because it's something that I I feel ashamed about (laughs) because I should be way, way better about it. But I could tell you that when, um, when making Clams Casino that's when and that was the year that i moved to new york that was the year that i started watching films more um uh what's the word that i'm looking for like more actively watching films like uh, uh, purposefully watching films sorry like critically or critically engaging with films yes yeah, you could say that. Yeah, critically engaging with film. Before it was, just you know, watching a film because I wanted to watch a film and, you know, enjoying it or not enjoying it. And so um, that's when I started to, you know, realize what was for me and what wasn't and what I related to and what I didn't relate to. And, and during that time when making Comps Casino, um, I related to a couple of films. I related to Goodfellas because it was such a masterpiece in its visual storytelling. I mean, I was blown away by the sets, like the houses were impeccably designed and were filled with so much character and they were so consistent throughout the entire film. You know, and 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 the characters. I mean, Scorsese's characters are always like these really bold human beings that you you feel re- you feel related to them. And um, and on top of that, it, they're always in the most like gorgeous looks in the most gorgeous outfits. But it's so um, it's so effortless. It's so effort. It, 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 it almost made me feel like. Damn! Like I wish I lived during I I wish I lived in that neighborhood. Obviously, not not for all of its violence, but I wish I lived in that neighborhood during that that time, just so I could be surrounded by these like beautiful people. So that I remember relating to that so much because it was kind of unrealistic for people to look so good and so consistently good throughout you know (laughs) uh, that time, any time actually. But it it was so effortless. So that's something that really shaped um the start of my my critical thinking towards films visually mm-hmm. um, and then I remember watching uh, raising Victor Vargas which is an, an independent feature um, that was that was a short film first I came across it by complete accident um, and raising Victor Vargas was a film about... Um, the Lower East Side in New York, um, about Puerto Rican New Yorkers. And, um, and I remember thinking that it was super realistic the way the director chose to tell the story and the characters were so raw and I could tell that none of them were real actors. And that's something that I also really connected to because I felt super, um, I felt like I was there. So I guess the consistent um, theme that um, I've picked up on is realism and uh, um, surrealism in a realistic way, if that makes sense.
0: So how do you blend um, this kind of attraction to rawness and honesty or realism? How, how do you, yeah, how do you kind of couple that with kind of high aestheticization and mm. kind of yeah you know i i
1: think it's quite easy for me because um i come from a mother that is exactly that um and i believe that that that's also who i am um you know the way i dress and carry myself in this world and the way i dress my house um is the exact same way my mom used to um and you know it's a no-brainer it's really a no-brainer for me uh because it's the exact same way i handle my my film work um i don't want to waste people's times waste people's time uh watching something that isn't picturesque you know I, i i always wanna uh i wanna give them the full experience like a really good story hopefully you know some great acting Uh, something that will, you know, sit with you in your heart, something that is soulful, something that you can take away and hopefully learn from, because that's what I what I think of films is, as an educational tool, really. Um, And, uh, and, you know, why not give people a beautiful picture? And, and my goal is to always, like, if you want to freeze frame throughout the film, and that's like a, that's a still image. Mm
0: -hmm. That's
1: my goal. You know, I think of it that way.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting thinking about films through stills because, I mean, with, with my own work, I got into cinema through reading about cinema, especially with more archival work because you couldn't actually watch these films. So it was kind of reading, it was literally reading film, like watching film through text or through stills. Um and even the way like the yeah. collective operates, it's through stills. And it's me, it's me um basically just scrolling through screeners and trying to find those aesthetic moments um and posting those stills. So yeah, yeah. I, I relate to that a lot.
1: Watch. And and I think that's what drew me to um I think that's what drew me to Habibi Collective's Instagram page was the moments, you know, that were uh, captured and, and you know, laid out on, on, on the grid. Um, were, you know, there were moments that I wanted to find out about, you know, and, and I think that's always been, um, th- that's been the curious side of me since I've been a kid. Um, I'm a very, very uh, visual person and my memory is based on, um, I-, I have like visual memory rather than, uh, I don't know what the opposite of that is, but uh, this means that today you can give me a picture of myself as a kid and I could tell you what happened around the time that picture was taken. Like it, it almost creeps me out and creeps my parents out that I'm able to remember what happened during the moment that photo was taken. That's how strong my, my sense of um, visual storytelling is. And I think that's also um, what I naturally do in my film work.
0: Um, maybe you don't kind of get the feel this because you work because your your film work is so tied into into film. But I mean, something that used to stress me out a lot, um, which yeah, I guess is is something that you also experience, which is navigating simultaneously being in front of the camera and uh, and being behind the camera. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, when I was like a kid, when I was like in my late teens, I was signed with Storm, and and I was doing this sort of um, I mean, I felt like my presence in academia or in the art industry or the film industry was invalidated um, because people wouldn't take me seriously because they were seeing these kind of campaign (laughs) pics, kind of on my Instagram or whatever. Um, So yeah, I wonder if that's something that you've ever felt being a model. Um, So yeah, I guess being being both in front of the camera and (laughs) in these kind of same campaigns,
1: you hit you hit a, a, a very you know, a soft spot, because that is exactly how I feel. Absolutely. And it's something that I'm still kind of trying to unpack personally. Um, I, I turned down a lot of modeling gigs, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, I, I think we live in a time where modeling is, is no longer modeling, you know, um, and I, I I don't I don't call myself I've never called myself a model. I don't associate myself with being a model because I think being a model is a full-time job, right? Mm-hmm. And I do not want to discredit these great, you know, humans that have devoted their lives to uh to do all the necessary work in order for them to be the models that they are today. Um but we you know, we're living in a time where the industry um you know, loves non models and and wants to make them models, and 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 that's how I see myself. And you know, I love that. And especially earlier on in my career, I mean, I love getting dressed up and photographed. Um, I feel very comfortable in front of a camera because I grew up um, at a dance school. I'm very comfortable on, on stage. Um, but you know, in my in my recent years, I've. Um, I've stopped wanting to do so much of it because I didn't want to be known for modeling work. Um, because I care so much about, um, um, you know, working on my film work and essentially doing that for the rest of my life. That's my goal. And so, um, I don't know, I think social media today has a way to skew people's perceptions of, of who you are and what you're doing. And, um, and uh, you know, um, as, much as, a, a, as much of a voice as people have today with, you know, Twitter and Instagram, um, we are also very easily um, being painted a picture that, you know, these brands want to paint. You know, so the more work that you do um, in, in the modeling field, the more people will think that you're a model. Mm-hmm. And and uh, not that I find that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just not what I see for myself in my life. And so, um, yeah, it's something that I'm currently dealing with. Very, very much so.
0: <laughs> I feel like I've kind of opened a can of worms. But yeah, I mean, that, but that's precisely what scares me. Because again, like, I feel like when I entered... Storm that was very much the time when non-models were kind of emerging and especially me like I'm tiny and I'm you know I don't exactly I wasn't exactly like the other girls on the main board shall we say like long blonde like whatever and yeah it was more you know I knew I was there for the brand that I carried or the the personality or whatever and and you kind of then have to sell yourself you have to sell a brand and i think all successful Mm. models now because of social media and especially influencer culture they are selling a brand they're no longer just selling their image um so that really taps into something a lot more personal because it's not like i am now going to go on set and dress up and be someone else it's like they're hiring you to to almost like be yourself in drag almost and to to perform yes and that's what really freaked me out and and I guess what really terrified me about that um and also then that brand and being sold for your brand that also meant that you had to be everything had to be compartmentalized it had to be yeah a brand it had to be identifiable and almost standardized and and the having your fingers in so many pies doesn't work with that like being um being a every, like a photographer a fashion stylist um a art director a filmmaker and every, everything you do like i've and every everything i do as well i just felt like it it just went against the the idea of what mm. brand and what was kind of expected mm. through that um so absolutely absolutely we live in a
1: culture and a time where Everybody, you know, we're all jack. You know, we're jack of all trades type of type of thing. And even though I think it's great, because let's start by saying that companies do not want to pay us a a salary that that reflects the amount of work that we put in, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, a lot of the pay is so little in our industry it's hard for people to make you know a respectable uh living um you know as a freelancer um or or not Mm -hmm. and so people have become almost forced to become you know jack uh, to have this like mentality of oh jack of all trades because we're not really making an you know a good living doing one thing Mm But, you know, it does have its downsides for sure. I mean, for me personally, and I think,
0: you know, streamlining is key. Yeah. Um, But maybe that yeah. is shifting in a way because, yeah, I think just yesterday in the UK, uh, they announced that, Uber, Uber drivers, like uh, basically workers in the gig economy were going to potentially be offered like um, pension schemes and all of this. So having, yeah, having the sort of prerogatives of being in a con in contracted employment. Um, so I mean maybe this sort of mentality towards towards freelancing and everything is changing just because we are because <laughs> we're all I mean in the creative industry we're all freelancers it's yeah know, it's like and um, but there's no there's no sort of then I guess if you're in a position which I am and, and you are as well of, of knowing that the jobs are never going to kind of stop rolling in, then, you know, it's okay. Mm. But yeah, for the majority, like, it's just not, it's just precarious. And I think Isabel Laurie, she wrote this book called States of Precarity, uh, um, or something like, it, it kind of contributed to this whole literature especially with John and the the kind of late capitalism ends of sleep why how, how we're just our social life is our work life and we're working around the clock and we don't have yeah just we, we don't have for example work hours or, or we're working international times mm-hmm. or all of this um, and yeah I just feel like that Yeah, it's just kind of become it's it's infiltrated in our sense of self and in our in our branding of ourselves. Um Mm. and yeah. Anyway, sorry, I've massively digressed. Um no, not at all. I think just to add to that, I think
1: you know, choosing to be in the film and fashion industries and knowing that like up until you make it, you're not really making it in terms of pay. You need to really love this work in order to choose to do it and hustle and 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 not get paid so much until you do get paid like it takes a long time yeah and you know for anyone out there listening don't fucking feel discouraged like always have a plan b and c always have your backups but don't get discouraged because it's an unfair business it really really is and only the people that truly believe that they are meant to be a part of it will last and so just keep pushing you know
0: yeah. And it's also that kind of mentality that you internalize and feeling like, oh, I I kind of need to have a real job on, on the side or I need at least a part-time job, you know, in case it all comes crashing down. But just, yeah, I guess weaning yourself out of that, of being like, no, you know, I'm really passionate about this. If I really push forward with all of my time and energy into this, it will, it will pay off. But I mean, I'm interested as well in how that sits into how that, Building of passion and and portfolio, I guess, links to the kind of current trend of, of concepts and, and concept-led fashion, concept-led led brands. Um, in that, you know, we're selling something a lot of the time that hasn't even that isn't even materialized yet. Like people are people are selling products that no one's seen yet, or that no one's worn yet, or even people, people are selling ideas, even with the streaming service that I'm developing, you know, it's like people have invested money into this already without, you know, without it it launching yet. So Mm. I guess I'm, I'm, something that I'm, I'm always navigating is how, yeah, I guess this, for me personally, having like built up 10 years of research and film work and everything before I even took it to Instagram or Instagram was even yeah. back then but like mm. you know like just having like a decade of knowledge and of work before launching and then now us being yeah. in sort of environment where everything is just concept driven and it's like almost you just need to start the Instagram page and it's it's like it's a thing and you know it's like yeah. that what makes it official.
1: Yeah yeah it's wild honestly it's it's wild to think of Um, I mean, I automatically have to bring up, I have to bring up my dad again, because, you know, I, I have conversations with him a lot about my career and, and he goes, you know, if I'm like surprised about something that happened or I, I got asked to, like, I get asked to teach a lot and I'm just like, I love teaching and I want to do it for the rest of my life. And my mom was always a teacher, but I got asked to teach at a university a year after I graduated from London like I was I was 24 I was so young and I was teaching you know at a university and I mean at the time my dad told me this but also today um he's like you know you've been working your whole life towards this moment and you need to give yourself credit for being able to make these moments happen um you know almost like effortlessly Pam like it you know this doesn't this, this hasn't come out of nowhere like you're not able to you know just jump on and like teach a course or you know make a film in two weeks or you know overseas through a computer without you know you've worked tirelessly towards this moment and as you're saying like it's a buildup of ten years worth of research and 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 you know getting to know yourself throughout this process in order for you know sell an idea and have people you know people can see it people can see it when you know what you're talking about yeah you know without seeing the product they know if 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 you're good or not um mm-hmm. and yeah energy is there yeah
0: but it's almost that imposter yeah. syndrome i feel like again a similar situation i i started i started lecturing at oxford when i was 18 on, on film and like you just like it, it's i guess because uh, because trusting that sort of, I guess, how things used to be, that sort of institutionalization of knowledge, and of and of experience, and, and feeling like you need to um, to have this job before you can do this job, and you need to like work your way up. I think that's the phrase that people use. And now, I guess, we're just working in such a different kind of creative economy that you know you can it, that that old hierarchy isn't there, and you can you know practical experience is, is kind of just as valuable, if not even more valuable um, than that sort of, you know, you need to do this, to do this, to do this, to do, to do this. And, and just trusting yourself that, you know, that, I guess that kind of practical knowledge and, and, and independently led research and practice is just as valuable as anything that you can do oh, yeah. from, you know, from a kind of contracted job or through an institution or whatever.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. You have to put in the work personally. Um, and, you know, the more curious you are, the more, you know, the more you're educating yourself and the more you're, you're building all of this, you know, all this pool of, of knowledge and, and research. And, um, and you know that you're good once you're put on the line or not not when you're good like you know why you've been asked to do something once you've been asked and you're you're sitting there and you're doing it and you know everybody is happy you mm-hmm. know and and it it feels good it feels good because yeah i mean the industry is shifting and and you don't have to have a b and c in order to do d i don't think um but also a lot of people are are doing things I think prematurely yeah. uh, <laughs> that's also something else that social you know social media is one one of social media's like bad sides I guess but
0: that's not connected to that. <laughs> um, so I mean back to yeah back to your own your own work um, what sort of direction is your work taking right now um, and are you sort of Working on anything right now, or um, where is your kind of mind at with, uh, with your practice? If it's there at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Um, the last year
1: has been very tough. Um, you know, you can't make a film without a, a minimum of, I don't know, 30, 40 people. And obviously today that isn't the safest thing to do, even though productions have been going. You know, and it, it depends on the timing, right? So where is the curve at? You know, is there a lockdown? Um, it's very, um, it's so unstable, and it's it's uh, it's it's hard to plan anything because you know, pre-production takes time, mm-hmm. and. Um, by the time you get to, you know, your area of production, it might not be the right time in whatever city you're in due to the pandemic. At least that's my mindset. That's where I am. You know, I've taken the safety part of things maybe a bit too seriously. Um, And so it's been really hard to think of, uh, you know, creative work during this time, very, very much So but, you know, in inshallah, in the near future, um, I do see another narrative short film for myself um, as I work towards a feature. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I will forever be exploring, you know, the the human experience to the best of my abilities. the way I chose to tell the story about, you know, the online phenomenon mukbang in Clans Casino, uh, I think that's really representative of like the work that I will forever be doing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and um, I feel very comfortable in that area, and I think that um, it's a it's a great way to connect with people on screen, like for the viewers, I mean, um, and uh, yeah that's That's definitely where I see my work continuing to grow, hopefully
0: yeah um and it yeah, I guess it's interesting how you're not you're still thinking about all of this and not taking a completely you know kind of mentally being like i'm gonna put this to the side because a lot of just in- co- having conversations with artists um and especially one friend who runs this um sort of sonic support group um it seems like there's this kind of dichotomy right now of artist equals useless, um, and that artists are not relevant to the pandemic. And I mean, yeah, my friend started this kind of art therapy group because in the UK you can have uh, up to 15 people in a room if it's th- for therapy. So, kind of starting art therapy for uh, the NHS staff across the of course, the hospital and, and similar initiatives built on mutual aid, which is kind of a very big topic being discussed, especially in the art world right now, um, and how art and film uh, can be used in order to, yeah, both to contribute towards the work being done by frontline workers, but also challenging the narrative that art is useless. Um, And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that in relation to fashion, um, and what you think fashion's for you, what, what kind of role fashion is playing right now? Hmm. Again, you're you're smiling. Again, I'm
1: smiling (laughs) because, you know, so many things that involve the work that we do is so bittersweet today. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it's been hard for me to even spend money on clothes today. I've spent, you know, usually, usually, you know, um, you have a reason to to buy clothes you you know like today you you don't and 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 fashion for me today has just become more of like something that is um like a vehicle for dreaming I think you know more than anything um I look at like all these beautiful clothes that designers are putting out today and I just dream of when would be the right time to even that i could sport this look or whatever i mean this is on the more like practical aspect of fashion i guess i, I went into um because it's just a fucking sad time today i mean honestly a, a lot of the work that i'm even seeing in fashion is pretending like the world is in normal conditions and that breaks my heart because i'm like how can you ignore the elephant in the room, you know, Um, how, I don't know. I mean, I understand that, I guess I'm talking about the, um, the themes that are being like carried out in like a lot of uh, storytelling productions. I feel like a lot of them are, are ignoring the fact yeah, we're going through a very, very difficult time, and I- I've seen very little people uh, acknowledge what is going on, and it's scary to me. It's scary to me, um, and I think something will come out of me, uh, you know, in in that respect sooner or later. Um, and and now I've completely forgotten about the question that you had originally
0: asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I got too emotional. (laughs) I'm sorry no I wanted to hear your thoughts on fashion because I mean again I'm like I'm not I'm not in fashion so I was just curious and to see how it related to to the kind of art and film world right now and and Mm -hmm. I I mean I'm just seeing like friends who are primarily influencers posting like these crazy invitations on their Instagram stories and it's I feel like from like a spectator view like the fashion industry is like putting all of its money in in invitations to watch online shows like i've seen like robots you know like fashion brands have been sending like robots and stuff as invitations yeah yeah Um, yeah, i guess i just so yeah
1: look fashion always had its way to fashion has always had its way to create an experience you know and we've got to give it up to fashion for, you know for and and that's the reason you know i love it and that's the reason you know um i even wanted to be a part of it and stuff but you know to i'm not gonna lie and say that it doesn't feel like the most important thing that like i i you know is going on today so have i been paying a lot of attention to these little things in fashion no honestly i've mm. i've completely shut off um you know, and, and that's why I think I, you know, if I'm, I'm if I'm being uh, presented another, like, opportunity, it's going to be, uh, the, the way I'm going to carry it through is going to be very, like, uh, as human as possible, you know. And for me, that, that means narrative work. Yeah. And so I love the idea of merging fashion and what it represents with, with, like, Real filmmaking, like narrative work, mm-hmm. stuff that you know you 'll want to rewatch like five years from now, mm-hmm. you know, like your favorite film it's like i think obviously there are there, there are a lot of like fashion heads that know runways and collections it 's like their Bible, and they go back and they 'll be able to like name like who was the creative director of this house during 93 to 97 and so on and I think that's great and I love I love you know I love that for them um but for me the way I see fashion is uh in the world of film for me today and so just like just like you know I want to go back and watch I don't know um Home Alone when it's close to Christmas that's what I want to do with with fashion Mm -hmm. you know
0: Okay. Yeah, we've been having some very deep, <laughs> deep conversations. So maybe to end it on a lighter note, ha- is there anything that you have been watching recently? Um, what was that? Was like the last uh, film or TV show you watched? Sex in the City. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've been watching Sex in the City <laughs> because I tell you, being single in New York has always been interesting, um, but especially during the pandemic. Oh my goodness, it's been. <laughs> rough <laughs> and I've had to rewatch Sex in the City because um, it, it's, it's almost surreal seeing people uh, you know on, on the screen you know on streets that you walk on and seeing life carrying you know being carried on as normal um, so it yeah it, it's it's allowed me to kind of uh, disconnect from the world uh and connect to an older world that we knew and and that yeah i binged that shit i binged it and then i watched sex in the city movie number one and then sex in the city movie two um yeah that's what that's the latest thing i watched i think um
0: no let's end it on that don't give me yeah okay okay (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah no more good fellas i mean let's end on sex in the city and then like in the possibility of there being a remake i don't know um you know that i've heard that that it's a potential but you know we'll we'll see i heard that
1: they're they're doing it but i you know um samantha is not going to be a part of it which sucks because it's nothing without her and then i heard that mr big and uh, miranda's husband what's his name aren't going to be a part of it either so i was like why is this happening
0: (laughs) yeah and they're making like they're doing a friends remake as well it's i mean it's all it's all going off right now um yeah but i mean on that note (laughs) thank you thank you very much Tom, for speaking with me and thank you everyone for listening and uh yeah and thank you and and goodbye everyone thank you